At Silver Lining Herbs, our mission is to deliver natural health products and education that help provide optimal care for yourself and your animals. With countless products for your horses, dogs, and the whole family, we have something to offer for just about anything. Visit our website at www.silverliningherbs.com or give us a call at 866-543-6956. Silver Lining Herbs, the standard for a healthy life. Welcome back to another room, uh, another episode. I, I just got through. I've just got through saying that we have not had any edits out of this, but I'm going to leave this in here, <laughs> folks. Welcome back to another episode of Tack Room Talk. I'm pretty excited today. Um, we're actually hanging out in Arizona. We're in the living room here in uh, in Whitman, Arizona, and we got a pretty cool guest with us today, Tyler Magnus. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and as always, we got our co-host here, Chance Shootnick. Good, good to see you. Good to see you today too. Yeah, you know, it was I mean, a pleasure. We just talked about all the work we was doing in the wind this morning, and and how that was pretty tough. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Chance? Well, like you said, it wasn't really work. We were getting our pictures taken for a photo shoot. <laughs> so, uh. yeah, so that's that's coming soon. But uh, you know, I, I'm pretty excited uh, to have our guests on here today because. You know, as, as a lot of you know, I'm pretty involved in the team roping world and it's one of my passions and, and, uh, this guy's, uh, done quite a bit in the team roping world and still a bit, a big advocate for team ropers today and, and helping them along the way and make some really nice horses. And, and, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell everybody kind of, you know, your, your back history and where you got started in the team roping and, and kind of where you're at today. Well, I just, it's a passion of mine. I grew up riding horses and ranching, was raised on a ranch, and uh, it's what my dad did and my family did. So I've always felt lucky in that regard to get to do, uh, you know, even when I was little, that's all I've ever wanted to do is ride horses or be involved with it, and it's still all I want to do today. So I've always felt lucky in that in that aspect. I never really had aspirations to want to be a fireman or, you know, an airline pilot. Or I knew I was going to ride horses as long as I'm around horses and cattle every day. And and people, uh, that's what does it for me. Yeah, so how many times did you qualify for the National Finals Rodeo? Nine. You went there nine times in the Helan? Yes. So we just talked about that a little bit, and uh, I asked if you had ever qualified in the, in the heading as well because there's a, just a handful of guys that have been there on both ends of the arena, but right. you, you said that you hadn't been there. No. Mm-mm. Not that you can't go and do it because I'm going to tell you what, folks, this guy can head steers with the best of them, and, and uh, actually we're, we're going to be entered this – this week yeah you've got your work cut out for you <laughs> so do you you're gonna really have to take care There's of me been a lot there. of guys thought they could really heal till they tried to heal for me <laughs> yeah i think that's an, un, an understatement but uh you know what i i guess uh what what is your passion today and and what are you doing on a daily basis right now well i still do schools all the time that i was rodeoing uh if i was going to be gone from home uh, I guess everybody was kind of made fun of me. I mean, I was going somewhere all the time. If I'm going to be gone, and that's what I would be doing at home. I'm going to amateur rodeos, doing schools, uh, all through the 80s and 70s, 90s. It didn't matter if there were supposed to be 10 people at a school. If two showed up, I stayed and did it. That's what I, I like to do. I like the interaction with the people. Uh, you meet some great people along the way. For years and years, did over 300 days of schools a year. Now, probably still do two 230, 240, 250. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as I'm sitting on a horse in the arena, uh, that's a good day for me. So that's still my passion to do it. And uh, I think it probably, hope it always will be. Uh, raising my kids, uh, my son, my two daughters, uh, they all rode basketball, you know, went through all the sports like every other family. But uh, um, headed for my son, you know, got his permit filled a couple times, and now he's, he's on to better partners. So. Uh, healed for my daughter at the amateur rodeos in Texas, and and uh, she she'd been at her with me earlier before Christmas and during Vegas week and all that. Uh, so, and then doing here at uh, your dad's place, uh, doing schools every afternoon and just roping and uh, riding horses. I like enjoy riding horses, and making horses. I like getting them to a point. And kind of always my thing is everybody. I don't know for sure, but I think the last time I counted, I've had. 16 or 17 horses at the NFR that I started and rode and maybe I'd ride them through the winter or ride them through the fall and then I always enjoyed seeing whether it was you know Corey Coons had a lot of success on mine Albach whoever Jade's had them 
uh, I like to see them go on. I like to start another one. So still kind of doing that. I've got two now that are about ready to go. and Hopefully somebody will get those and, and go on and have great success with them or my kids. Uh, they get first pick, obviously, but uh, it's doing the same thing. That's what I enjoy doing. Lucky, I've been lucky enough to feed my family and, you know, make the payments on my place doing it. So that's what I continue to do. You know, you talk about having a passion for, for making horses. Is there any one thing in particular, a couple things that you can say or point out when you're, when you're looking for horses or that, you know, that, that you like and that draws you, draws you to that horse? Um, and the second part of that question, I guess, would be, are you strictly looking for horses that fit these high caliber ropers or are you always looking for something that, you know, might be for that uh, lower number guy or something as well? Well, I think the the tendencies, the qualities in a horse are probably all the same. Myself personally, they you know, no doubt they've got to have talent, but you look for I look for honesty. I want one that's not gonna keep me from winning. Uh not only all the the talents that he has that'll allow me to win, but you know, when I get a good steer, is he gonna let me win? Is he gonna stay out of my way? So call it honest hearted to have a good heart and have an honest, consistent way about him. And then the talent is obviously has to be there, but I'd have to say that that's it's as equal as the honesty to me as the rest. We've all had a lot of horses, and I think uh, uh, people are guilty of always buying more than they need to ride, maybe, or buying that horse that can really run. And boy, he's athletic and he has all these moves. But uh, sometimes that that doesn't always help you. You know, it's a, it's a hindrance instead of instead of help. So. I look for a little more honesty in one. And then fitting people is probably the hardest thing to do in this business. And if you study it, and I'm a pretty good student of the game and I enjoy it, you look at a horse's stride, his size, the, the person's height, their weight, their tendencies with their swing, and, and, and their life. What does that horse fit their life? You know, how much time do they have to ride? Uh, a lot of people are guilty of buying a horse that requires a lot of time, and they don't have a lot of time to give him. So that's not going to work out too good. Yeah, I mean your your job is is uh, quite extensive when you talk about it in that way. I mean because you have a lot of homework to do on a daily basis. Of you know you know when a new client comes to you and and says, hey, I'm looking for a horse. You know that that reminds me of a story here. Shoot, it's when I first started trying to you know buy and sell horses a little bit and and use it as a side hustle, I guess. Um, I had a little sorrel horse that I had bought as a, as a four or five year old and went ahead and finished him out. And, uh, he kind of is a little bit like my little sorrel hill horse that I, I have now, except a little longer. He had a long neck on him a little bit and, but just honest as the day was long. And, and, uh, I wanted to sell him and I wanted, I wanted 15,000 for him, I believe. And there was a, uh, a guy that had, had was selling a lot of horses and he had uh, a client coming over to look at some horses. Well, he had, he had a whole line of horses that had that, I mean, just tails dragging the ground and long manes and big old hips and <laughs> stuff. I mean, they just looked, I mean, they looked like they'd been at a barn and lights for all year. And, uh, here comes my little old ratty horse in there. And, and, uh, shoot, I said, I said, you know, so whenever he wants to try him and he didn't even really want to look at him. <laughs> well, he rode eight head and couldn't catch a steer on any of these horses. They just didn't fit him. And, uh, he finally roped a few on mine and he, he didn't miss a steer on mine. And, uh, it just, it just fit him. And he ended up buying that horse. I seen him a year later. I says, how's that horse treating you? And he says, man, I've won 250,000 on him in this last year. He had won the U S finals. He won a world series on him. He'd won a truck roping on him. And, and just so, so to your point, I kind of got lucky and happened to, you know, find a guy that fit my horse, but, uh, it, it is, it is totally true. And you see a lot of guys, uh, today that want that, that high caliber horse. And, you know, he might fit a guy like yourself or, or Trevor or whoever it might be, but they can't ride one half side of him. So that's, that, that's a huge deal, isn't it? Oh, it's everything. And more often than not, people will have stories like yours, even if it's you or me, how many horses have you bought that you showed up not to try? You know, somebody yeah. will call and we'll drive countless hours or all night to look at one that we think, and there'll be one tied to the fence. Hey, what about him? Yeah, that ends up that ends up being your horse. It, it's funny. I don't. You can't make that up. It just it happens, and that word fit gets thrown around pretty loosely. But to me, the the word fits always meant 
where the rider's weakness has to be the horse's strength and the horse's weakness has to be the rider's strength. The closer you can unite those two, then the better the fit. And that was my question. Like, when is it the horse and when is it the rider, you know? Well, to make a long story short, and it sounds kind of crude, but uh, any horse can run off and jump over the fence and jump out of the ring and kick us in the head anytime he wants. They're strong and fast enough to do that. What I look for in one goes back to my, that, what I was talking about, honesty. Uh, when the rider can do quite a few things wrong, and the horse won't. That, that's our job when you're selling horses, to make sure that uh, two weeks from now that's not going to be a train wreck, mm-hmm. which most often it can be, whether because the horse is a creature habit. And, uh, that's kind of like training one, just because, uh, you know, how many horses have you gotten that somebody couldn't score or they couldn't face whatever, they couldn't even ride him in a circle. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no doubt that we can get him to do that within 10 minutes, two days, whatever point is it'll get done but if the rider doesn't change and he crawls back on him and has the same tendencies horse going to feel the same thing he's going to go back to doing the same thing uh, so horses are just creatures of habit and uh, they follow what's on their back that's all they know it's what they feel on their back so <clears throat> when you have people come over and try horses um you know do you do you give them some input on on maybe setting them up for success for for that horse at all or just the opposite I don't say anything. Mm-hmm. I want to see, just like when they come for a school, uh, we don't rope the dummy on the ground. I want them to get on their horse and go run four or five steers. Don't change a thing. I can't help you unless I see what you naturally do on a day-to-day basis. Because you yeah. probably see that where like somebody shows up to your school and they're trying to impress you or something like that, so they're probably not being authentic. Well, they can't. Nerves, whatever you want to call it, no different than if I went to a pro golfer's place and he sat me down and told me 15 things that I needed to do before we started. Well, he wouldn't have any idea what to do with me because I would already be trying to duplicate what he's told me to do, which I couldn't to begin yeah. with. But if he just let me go take eight or ten swings, he could analyze what I did and probably pick out the problem really fast. And that's to me. So I want them to get right on their horse and go do what they do. And and uh, that kind of gets the new off, gets the edge off. They're not so nervous and joke around a little bit. And I think that's all any of us want is, no matter what we do in our life is if I want to do that or someone wants to do that, all we want to be is invited in. It's about all we need, right? I mean, if I wanted to go play golf or shoot basketball or play baseball, the guy that I picked to go to, all I'd want him to do is say, hey, jump in here. Come on, let's go. Let's see what you got. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty good. And, and it, you know, knocks the dust off pretty quick and everybody gets comfortable and then you can really go do what, you're, what you naturally do. Then that individual could help you. Yeah, absolutely. And horses are the same. So, you know, when somebody shows up to try a horse, I'll, I always try to pick things in the medium and uh, see what that individual can do, just like as simple as the bitch you put in their mouth. I don't put something real severe. I don't put something real loose. Just go in the middle, and once you see that individual ride a rope two or three, then you know which way to go. You can go up or down. And nobody's in a train wreck right off the bat. You know, yeah. Pick the right steers. And, let them score, let them get comfortable. Because humans are no different than horses, I don't think. Unless we're comfortable and confident, you're definitely not going to learn anything. You can't absorb anything. Then you leave there and think, man, I should have asked that, or I should have done this, or I should have done that. Yeah. You know, I don't want that. I want everybody to jump in and have fun, do what we do, and have a good day doing it. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears here a little bit. Um, you live in Texas. You're hanging out here in Arizona. There's a lot of, there's a lot of roping going on in Texas as well. But uh, what's, your, what's your game plan hanging out in Arizona right now? Well, I'm just like everybody else. Uh, I've came out of here for 20 years, probably 25 years, and I'd come a week and do schools and rope a little bit and go home, come back the next month and do the same, come back the next month and do the same. Every year there gets to be more ropers, more people here earlier and staying longer. So this is the first year that I've uh, kind of leased my own facility and stayed here full time. and. Just kind of a test ground, uh, and it's a battle for me every day because Texas is good. Pretty Basically, if you're not in Texas or Arizona or the southern part of Oklahoma, you're probably not roping much. And Arizona especially has dictated the way the whole rest of the United States ropes. The northern states, Washington, Oregon, uh, probably even Utah, definitely Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas, they don't rope anymore in the summer. Yeah. I mean, probably I would say – there's 20% as many productions going on in the summer in those northern states than there used to be because 
everybody wants to come to Arizona earlier and stay longer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say it's just the productions, you know, don't feel the same, so they don't go. I would I would say, you know, a guy being from the northern states, definitely this time of year, um, I, I remember when I was younger, you go to them indoor barns, it's snowy or muddy, rainy or something outside. Them cattle, most of, most of the return alleys are on the outside. Mm-hmm. So you go through about 10 ropes. Every rope weighs about 20 pounds when you're done, <laughs> just accumulating mud. Um, and, you know, you, you might you might rope something and it just can't get your rope tied. I mean, you, you stay in the arena for an hour after you're done roping trying to cool your horse off before you take him home. I mean. A lot of extra effort. It, it is. And it's just not even worth it. But what I will say, what has what Arizona has ruined us northerners of is um, accessibility because I'll, I'll be down here and we can go to a rope and every day of the week, no further than 20, 30 minutes from the house. And uh, when you go up there in the summertime, they'll have a really good world series rope and it'll be two hours from the house. And you're like, yeah, it's too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to stay home, yeah. you know? That's and, and and we do that all the time. I mean, I, I seriously go to all my jackpots here in the, in the wintertime. And when I'm back home, I might go to one. They might have a, a weekly jackpot in our backyard or something I might go to. But I mean, that's that's just the way it is. And it's it's crazy because they have set the standard here. And everybody compares it to Arizona producers, you know. Exactly. So, yep. Yes. Yep. Ty does, you know, Ty rake takes seven minutes. You know, his water truck takes this. You know, he says start at one o'clock. It starts at one o'clock, you know and uh yeah it's it's definitely all a factor and texas is basically the same i figure that we have 12 days bad days at home in the winter time mm-hmm. our weather's pretty much like this all the time being in central to southern texas you know 30s to 40s in the mornings 50 to 70 in the afternoon but we have probably 12 14 days of winter that you don't want to be out there yeah so so would you say that um like Texas as a, as a whole, the, the whole state of Texas, I feel like there's a lot of ropers, but it's Texas is a big state. And mm. would you say it's more concentrated here? I guess like are people more, cause this Wickenburg area is pretty, pretty popular. Well, they're drawn into more concentrated area, but if you go to Stephenville, Texas, uh, it's almost identical. You yeah. Know, there's, they rope, you can go to rope every night, but it, it's, uh, Every night of the week will be, I often say, and sometimes maybe it's wrong, if you're a seven and above and you're wanting to get better, you need to be in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a six and below, you need to be in Arizona. If you, can, that, if you can do that every day. Now at home in Texas, on the weekends, they're roping or every, they're ropings or every bit as big on Saturday and Sunday as they are here, but it happens here seven days a week. Well, you said nights in Texas. They don't know what night ropings are here in Arizona. <laughs> Everybody's in bed by 8 o'clock. Right. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that is what is nice about Arizona. You can go do your deal in the, in the daytime and then go to bed at a decent time. Well, they cater to everyone. You can. Yeah. There's over 50, over 60, over 70. Yeah. Eights, nines, tens, elevens going on at, what, seven different arenas, seven days a week. Yeah. So it's it basically boils down to who you want to get up and hang out with that day. I've officially cracked into the over 40. I I'm not over 40. I mean, I'm still hanging on that 39, but I do turn 40 this year. So they're letting me rope in the over 40s. So I'll just say this. When I was 40, they didn't have over 40s. <laughs> yeah. That's how long ago it's been. <laughs> I know. I was 40. You know, we, we, I've seen this whole neighborhood pop up. Uh, I used to work for Judy and Ozzie Gillum over there and me and Russell Cardoza actually worked together and we stayed in a camp trailer out in the middle of the desert here before the arena was even built. We just ride these horses out across the desert. And, uh, Russ, I, I had to, I had to talk to Russell's parents into letting him come. And I, and I was going to make sure I watched him and make sure the elder. Right? Yeah. I was the elder. I was 19 years old. So, um, anyways, I don't know how we talked his parents into that, but he come out here and, and, uh, shoot, there was none of, none of this, uh, this neighborhood was here. I mean, there's, hundreds of houses in here now and everybody has an arena and uh shoot we uh we used to make fun of the the over 40 people are like oh them old men like now i'm one of those guys and that it just happens so quickly but i remember at that point in time we were driving we went to queen creek a lot casa grand uh, 
Yeah, Dunn's Arena was the only thing on this side, and then uh, Beaver Bird would put those ropings on once a week at Wickenburg. So it, it's it's pretty crazy to see where it's come, and I, I feel like Ty Yost has kind of set the standard for, for all that a little bit. I mean, he is – he well, shoot, he's got Rancho Rio, and he's got uh, Dynamite. Dynamite now. And, and the ropings out on Bagheela. Yeah. So, Four-paw, I guess. Yeah, so – but anyways, I mean, there's there's just a ton going on here. So, so when when you leave Arizona, then what's your plan? And 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 when do you leave Arizona? Well, it's just it's kind of day by day. Uh, normally, you know, first of March always ended Arizona. Mm -hmm. Last year I came back in March and have never been any busier. Yeah, and had school people every day. Well, I think I, I I run into you yeah. at Dynamite last March. Right, and that's we visited a and, little bit. Uh, just came out here to kind of have fun and actually rope. And my youngest daughter came with me, and we were just going to kick around on spring break. Mm -hmm. And she, we were in the arena from daylight till dark with schools. And normally yeah. that's never happened. So every year it changes. I don't really know. As long as I stay busy uh, and, you know, can justify being gone from home, make enough money to do that, I'll, I'll have to stay. Yeah. But in Texas is just as busy when the weather's good at home. Mm -hmm. You know, I went home for three weeks. And, during Christmas and watched some basketball games and she sold seven horses and did four schools and had a 350 team jackpot while I was home. Yeah. So I still wrestle with so, that. So you were a relaxing a little bit when you were home. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody says. What, <laughs> what do you do on your days off? I rope. Yeah. <laughs> I ride horses. That's what I like to do. So let me ask you about that. Does has, has roping ever felt like a job to you? No, no. I don't know, maybe five or ten minutes when you rope a leg or miss one high team or you're driving 18 hours and you hit one in the butt and you got to drive 24 hours to go to the next one and yeah. you break the barrier, you know, because that happens. Nobody yeah. talks about it, but it's the mental side of it. But I've always had a – when I was competing, it was a 15-minute rule. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone for 15 minutes <laughs> and I'd get away with it. I think strip and shoots have probably uh, – saved more people from uh doing things they shouldn't do because at least you got time to ride to the back end of the arena and time you get your rope off yeah. now i've got a rule by the it's about a five minute rule by the time you ride back to the chute you better leave that steer in the strip and shoot and be thinking about the one in the, in the real chute yeah or, or you're going the wrong way absolutely so as you get older age helps you know what you lose physically uh i think definitely in my case you gain mentally Mm -hmm. You know, you get smarter about it, more confident about it. Uh, it's not things aren't such a big deal because you know, in the big scheme of things, just to get to rope, to be lucky enough to ride horses and rope, uh, that's something in itself. So it's it's a pretty small speck in, in the giant world. Get your horses looking and feeling sharp this performance season with Silver Lining Herbs Hemp Seed Coconut Oil. This oil is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids. Most importantly, they are vital to everyday health, strong muscles, and healthy joints. It contains antioxidants and increased palatability that horses love. Hemp seed coconut oil may be beneficial in supporting the body's natural response to inflammation, as well as maintaining the health of the skin, joints, immune system, and cardiovascular system. Order yours online today at www.silverliningherbs.com. If you could give a piece of advice to, you know, the younger generation or, or anybody for that matter on the mental game, what would that be? Live in the middle. What do you mean by that? Well, your highs can't be too high and your lows can't be too low. Mm -hmm. You know, at every school over the years, I've been doing schools now for 40 years, 40 some years, I always ask some of the most successful people in the world, what, what do they attribute most of their success to? And that's been the most common answer I've found is uh, a, a bad memory. Yeah, you know, deal with it, learn from it, walk on, don't dwell on it. Yeah, like I said, never bring that steer at the back to the box. Mm -hmm. You you can't do anything about that when you can do something about the next one. Yeah, it taints the water, right? Oh yeah, and yeah. it's yeah, it's, that's not a very healthy way to live anyway. No, learn from it and water off a duck's back and walk on. Yeah, so you've you've got uh, you've got a few kids, three kids. Yes, two two girls and a boy. Yeah, mm -hmm. and how old are they? My son's 22. My daughter just will be 21, and then my youngest daughter's 15. And they all played sports and stuff. Yes. What, what sports did they play? Everything. I told all my kids to play anything and everything they wanted to play till they were freshmen. Mm -hmm. Then they would know what they had a passion to do. 
start weeding some things out and get good at one thing. Yeah. Um, so my son played baseball, good baseball, football. Uh, and the older he got, the more roping. And we were roped the whole time. But, man, we went every ball game, every football, every basketball game. My middle daughter, really good basketball player. My wife and all her sisters played college ball and street ball. So girls' basketball is big, big in our house. Mm-hmm. So Ruby's basketball, uh, she was really good. And then my youngest daughter now is just a freshman and scout. She got moved up to varsity, and she's been getting to play a lot. So, so I've n- I've never met your youngest daughter, I don't believe, but but I've met Ruby, mm-hmm. and uh, she she looks like a ball player. She yeah, is. she's she's tall. How tall is she? Oh gosh, Ruby's probably six foot. Probably. Yeah, I I definitely don't think that I'd want to try her on on the court. I, I play I play quite a bit of church ball. Um, that's that's a little bit more up my well, alley. You, it'd be good watching when she gets out here. You, y'all can do that. Yeah, it's the the church ball I like because there's no ref. There's a little bit of aggression and Ruby there's, there's, likes that too. There's always blood. There's always bloodshed. So yeah. sometimes mine. Uh, my dad, he's uh, he's he's a big ball player on the on the church court. Yeah, so. They both fit right in then. My dad's got a pretty nasty hook. Mm-hmm. I mean that hook shot is uh, hard to defend. So well, when Ruby gets here, you can just try her on. So um, I'll just watch. So I, I got to ask this, you know, because you and and I know and I know it has to be true, but I mean Texas loves their football, mm-hmm. and the high school football is is a big deal. And the reason I say that is because every time I drive through any city or town i don't it could be a just a little podunk town and i mean the football stadium is like a nfl football stadium right and uh so so what was it like watching those football games and and is that true like what you might see on you know what, what is it friday night lights no that's true stuff when you so. go to odessa the rodeo you've seen the field they film most of that on yeah you know in the old towns in west texas and east texas and south texas uh you know a little old 1a 2a school will have this fabulous you know, 1D college-looking facility, whether it's mm-hmm. a gym or a football field. Yeah, we have in Mason, where the kids go to school, we have one of only two wooden stadiums left in the state of Texas. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. They call it the Puncher Dome. Oh, really? They're the cow punchers, Mason yeah. cow punchers. And, uh, yeah, there'll be bats circling around up top. And the rodeo arena's right next to it. So, yeah, uh, for a 2A school, that, that has a lot of history, uh, a lot of TV stations and – you know, like Truman, my son, he was lucky enough to play on two state championship teams. Got to go to Texas Stadium, and so that was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, not just for the American, but uh, they also that's where they play all the state of Texas championship football games from 1A through 6A. Yeah. So we got to go there twice. Uh, luckily, the first time we got pounded, and he was a freshman. He didn't get to play, or he would have got mauled. Yeah. <laughs> he was, so so he how big is he? He, Truman? Oh, yeah. he's tall now. He's Truman stands six four, six five. Yeah. But pretty pretty thin. Yeah. Uh when he was a freshman he was a beanpole. Yeah. Uh, we played Canadian and they brought eighty seven kids. Oh well. Wow. It looked like a one D college team. So when they came out of the locker room myself, not rooting against them, I just kinda of started laughing and hope nobody got hurt really bad. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Canadian, that's when the oil boom what's going on and you know it's more or less recruiting i mean they had these yeah. big bad boys with beards and mustaches and uh three offenses and they ran through us pretty good then we come back two years later and beat him won the state championship so kind of remind you of that movie with adam sandler when they play on the uh prison football team and they had the guards <laughs> right so yeah kind of yeah. the same thing yeah yeah but mason they won two state championships so that was cool and for him to get to be a part of that and uh, Ruby took the girls' team. Uh, they made it to the state finals three times, and that had never happened before. So, mm-hmm. you know how it is. There's phases. There's always a top, a middle, and a bottom. And, and my kids were lucky enough to be in, in with the good groups. And, and uh, my youngest daughter, they're going to be really good for the next three years. So so you talk about mindset with yourself and stuff, but uh, what was some of the things that you instilled in, into your kids as far as a mindset? Because obviously they've, they've went and they've done well with these sports and they're, they're still young. They're going to go on and do, you know, great things in the roping or whatever they want to do. What was a, maybe a couple of things, things that you could share with us that you would tell them as far as a mindset? Uh, biggest thing, probably there's never any problems. There's only solutions. If you're going to do it, do it don't leave anything anywhere do it as good as you can Mm -hmm. 
I always do things that other people aren't, do it harder and longer than they are, mm-hmm. and you're going to be the best at it. Yeah. Have a pa- If you have a passion to do it, that that's lucky. For one thing, to even recognize you have a passion, let alone the skill to do it. Yeah. So if you have those things, uh, be a terrible waste not to use it or not to give it everything you have. So if you're going to get in it, jump in with both feet and go at it as hard as you can. Yeah, I like you know, that. Never be scared of failure. For sure. And, uh, you know, just uh, don't worry about the problems. Make solutions. Yeah. Failure only hurts if you let it hurt you. Yeah, everybody's going to have failure. The only way not to have failure is not do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like roping, never be scared of missing. As long as you're roping to win, don't rope not to lose. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't beat if yourself. If you're going to do it, be good at it. Yeah. Give yourself a chance. You're cheating yourself. Not, And it's not about anybody else. You're cheating yourself if you don't. Mm-hmm. If you have the talent to do it and the passion to do it, if you don't go full bore and give it 120% every day, what a sad day that would be to get old and look back and say, man, I, well, I could have done, tried a little harder. Not done better. I don't have anything to do with it. Yeah. You're still going to fail. But to, to know that uh, you gave it everything you had and you enjoyed doing it, well, that that's a good feeling for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to kind of switch, uh, switch gears again here a little bit. And I want to, I want to go back to the horse topic. You know, you have quite a few horses here and, and, uh, you own a lot of horses. You're always, uh, you know, buying more and, uh, you're also coaching on people about their roping and their horsemanship and things like that. And your opinion, how important is it, uh, to, to, take control and and uh take care of your horse's health on well, a daily it's everything basis. that's that's what uh, that's why this game keeps getting better like we were talking about yesterday and several guys that come every day for lessons are talking about every day how much tougher the ropings are this year than last year and we say that every year but i don't think there's ever been a year like this one mm-hmm. like in the 11s even the eights uh, when gary came in last night you know a leg would always win something in the eight. Two legs probably going to win something. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, yesterday, he was straight up at two ropings in place. Oh, wow. In the 11, uh, two different ropings. A guy was nine on the first year at one rope and ran hard, come back and was two sevens and then six in the short round. Mm. We're still four teams away from placing in the 11. That happened twice. Holy cow. Twice Usually in the you- same week. Clean on four, you're going to win some but money. I've been hearing that a lot this winter around here. And yeah. I think part of that's a tribute to the producers. Uh, really good setups, good cattle, mm-hmm. but strong. But still, to, to be at that level, an intermediate level, and still catch that consistently that often, that goes back to your nutrition of your horse. It's better horses. Yeah. Everybody out here can rope. About anywhere you go, would you agree? Everybody there is capable of winning the roping, or 80%. For sure. And what percentage would you say are capable of winning that rope, placing at the roping that are entered? Yeah, I mean, that it's a it's a high percentage, I mean, to dial it in exactly. But, yeah, very high percentage. and Compared to just three years ago. Well, you know, for, for instance, oh, yeah, yeah for right. sure. <laughs> for sure double, you yeah. know. And and you know what? Like, I, I went and entered that, uh, that 13 – uh that was the what was there 30 teams that 30 oh, team right. roping yes. mm-hmm. or no it was the uh the one last week i guess that that we went and entered in they they limited the teams or it was 500 a man or whatever it was oh it was a 10 steer that's what it was yeah 30 and, team. yeah and shoot i mean i was entered we was actually a 12 team the guy i was entered with but you know we were perfectly capable as a 12 team of winning the 13 you know, and there is a there's a slew of guys in there. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good ropers. When you start getting in the the twelve and up, I mean, well, wasn't there several teams caught ten? Oh yeah, I usually there's only one or two teams, but I think there was maybe six teams had caught ten ten steers. So just take thirty teams in their practice pen and tell them in their own practice pen in their own comfortable environment, mm-hmm. go catch ten steers in a row. Mm-hmm. It would be a small percentage that could do that in the practice pen. Yeah. But yet alone at a competitive setting now, there's quite a few that can do it. And the team that won it was straight up on ten. That's what being be. straight up on ten is is hard to do at any anywhere. Right. Yeah. But that that goes back to the feed, the supplements. Uh, you know, like you all have that. It's better, better horses, better trailers, better saddles, mm-hmm. and then mainly 
that's what I always tell the kids, either out here or at home. Uh, spoiled may sound bad, but they're spoiled to the great conditions and the people that they get to compete with mm-hmm. compared to Aberdeen, South Dakota. Yeah. You know, they don't even get to rope till the middle of May, maybe. Their steers, their steers weigh 600 pounds. Their horses still got long hair and hadn't been ridden in four months. Yeah. Ground's still half frozen. The, the kids out here and at home rope year-round against yeah. the best people in the world. At any level, even if they go to a nine, they're mm-hmm. roping against the best number nine teams in the United States. Yeah. And uh, it's easy to take that for, for granted that the, the quality of events they get to go to, the arenas that they get to rope in, the cattle they get to rope, the producers, and then you're roping around the greatest ropers in the world. So guess what's going to happen? As they grow, they're going to be the best ropers in the world. Yeah. And that's what we raise them to do. Your kids are down here. My kids have been out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went with me to every rodeo I ever went to their whole life until they got old enough to do what, you know, rope or have a passion, football, baseball, whatever. Then I quit and went with them. But mm-hmm. whatever it is, we try to make their life better than ours was and put them around the best people that whoever's doing whatever we want to do the best, go to them. Yeah. You know, when I when I stepped away from rodeo and full time and started started uh, buying and selling some horses of my own before I stepped into the silver linings operations every day of the week, you know that the nutrition part I feel like was was my best asset that I had because when I would go and look at horses to buy, um, a lot of times I'd have people say, "Hey, I've got this I've got this horse. He's blown up, and I want to get rid of him." I'd go look at him because I, I, I want to know your definition of blown up. What, right. what does that mean? Right. And so, you know, whether they'd be bad in the box or they quit pulling or, you know, just, you know, real front end, you wouldn't stop. And I would assess the situation and, and I'd go over these horses and look at them and we'd go over the acupressure points and see if they were hot anywhere. And, and, uh, you know, the, the nutrition part with silver lining and what we do actually was a very, very huge asset in the way that I would buy a lot of horses that people had problems with that were finished horses, knew how to do their job. They didn't want to do their job because that's the way that that horse would tell them, Hey, I hurt. I can't do this job. Take them home, put them on an herb program, get them feeling good. And a lot of times I wouldn't have to do much, you know? And then I would make sure that when that, whoever bought that horse that we had them on an herb program and, and set them up for success, after that, you know, and keep them on that maintenance program. But, you know, one thing that, uh, that people don't realize is, you know, my dad, this is something that he instilled in me is cause I used to be all about roping and it used to be about myself, which is easy to do cause roping's fun, but you're only going to do half the job. And actually you're probably not gonna do any job if you don't have a horse under you. And, uh, so I would always look at the horse and what, you know, what, what he's feeling and what he's doing and, and, and what can I do to make him better? Because you're not going to run that steer down on foot, my feet, you better have a good horse underneath you to, to do his job. Right. So let's make that horse do the best that he can do and set him up for success. So, you know, just, just main, maintaining optimal health and, and, uh, and then sending that horse away because I feel like we have a, a huge, um, uh, duty here to make sure that that horse is is always feeling good even when he leaves our hands what they do with him i guess is is their their prerogative and and we'd hope that they would but uh you know just just being proactive and 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 staying ahead of the issues is is a huge thing well it's the only advantage anymore everyone ropes good yeah or you know like we were talking a minute ago i don't know what percentage of the people entered could win the roping but it would be really high so yeah. it's the people that kind of, it comes down to the people that have the best horses and are smart enough to keep the best horses. Mm-hmm. And that's the backside of that. You can, if you're lucky enough to even find a good horse, uh, having the knowledge and the wherewithal or the passion to keep him that way mm. is the most important thing. Finding yeah. them is hard, but keeping them is harder. Yeah. The stress you put them through, and the higher the higher level you go, the things that the open guys can do now, the the, the things they ask a horse to do how many unnatural acts a horse has to go through to be 
three, five to four or five seconds. Where, where I was kind of, I was back in the healing box last night and you were, you were visiting and, and you said something about a fraternity and, and three, nine didn't place or something. I thought I heard. Yeah. The, you know, the fraternities are big right now. Uh, and they're getting younger. This was a three-year-old fraternity. A lot of them are going, this was a time only. Mm-hmm. All of them are judged and time is a factor and a pretty big one, yeah. but this one was time only. Uh, so, you know, that's a lot to ask of a young horse. Now we're, to me, in my opinion, we're kind of getting into the cutters and the rainers, you know, when you're riding your two-year-olds. But still, they're in a controlled environment, using both hands uh, in a small setting. When you go to yeah. asking a three-year-old to back in the box, leave there, take the hit, turn off, all the things they have to do, face, take it, you know, stop on the back end. Uh, well, that's a lot. So, what What's your opinion on that? Do you think- I don't like it. Yeah, that's just me. Not not good for totally the horse. against it. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, what? To me, it's just why backwards. is that? Well, you can't ask. I I look for longevity in a horse. My passion is horses. I like them. Yeah. I want to. It's a goal of mine every day. Every day to see if I can get him to use more of his skills today than he did yesterday, and that comes from me. If I ride better, uh, feed him better, give him better better looks, create better experiences for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to build their confidence and see what I can get him to do next. Yeah. Up to a certain point. And, you know, we used to show horses a lot. Uh, kind of started the horse show thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see, in my opinion, you never see a good six or eight year old show horse. They're done. Yeah. You know, when you put so much stress on them when they're two and three, um, I don't personally see or haven't seen how their joints or how they can completely grow and then be a good eight or 10, 12 year old. And the, and the mind as well. I mean, if they make it through that, then yeah. Cause that's a, that's a lot for a, a two and three year old. I mean, you got to start They're not going to make it through it. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. That's my opinion. I know there's tons of people that'll disagree, but uh, you asked me, so <laughs> that's what you're going to get. Well, this is a pretty controversial show. Good. Sweet. <laughs> Just kind of got that way. <laughs> but, no, yeah. and especially there's a huge difference between the horse show world and the competitive world, whether yeah. it's jackpot and a rodeo. The biggest thing that's changed to me in my lifetime about roping, when I grew up, when your dad grew up, probably, man, if you got to the short round, just go catch your steer. Don't make a mistake. You're going to mm-hmm. win. You can be high team now and go make a good run mm-hmm. and not place. Yep. Your last run of the day has to be your best run of the day, mm-hmm. of the roping. So for a horse to be able to mentally, let alone physically, but to mentally take that, yeah. you know, now the band's cracking, the loud music, they're back in the environment, everybody's hovering over the boxes in the short rounds. For that to be that horse's best run of the day, your fastest time of the roping has to be your last one, that horse has to have some age. Mm-hmm. They have to have some mental maturity. Yeah. So the average age, you know what the average age of the horse at the National Finals Rodeo is? The last I heard it was 16. Yeah, I was just going to say 16 or 17, I'm I'm sure, is what I would guess. Yeah. Because think there's nowhere to warm up. Uh, you ride out of the dark tunnel into the bright lights and you're in the box. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that, that are in the, the market to buy horses or they're, you know, whatever. But what would you say? Cause I went through this a lot. I had so many people that would come to the place, you know, um, the riding skills were, were, you know, less than par and, you know, I'd watch them rope and stuff. And I'd try to, I'd try to push that 14, 15 year old horse that I had that was solid and all, you know, knew what he was doing and they could just go rope and do their job. But they always wanted to look at the six, seven, eight year old. I think that mentality's changed some because I've preached it for 40 years. And mainly, first, find out what they have. Yeah. What fits your life, first mm-hmm. of all? Then what fits you? And third, what do you have? Do you have an older horse now? Or do you have a younger horse? Or uh, the third, fourth steer person runs every day out here for lessons. I'm like, okay, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And they'll say, what do you mean? I said, well, it doesn't matter where I think you can be. What fits your life and where do you want to be? That's what I'm here to help you with. I'm here to help you with what you have. I'm not here to tell you to rope like someone else. Yeah. Because it's all the same steps. 
for all of us, whether you're a two or a ten. It's just like driving a pickup. You have to open the door. You have to turn the key on. You have to step on the brake. Stop. You got to step on the gas to go. Mm-hmm. Your open is no different. You cover the the basics, and and you're going to have success. But it matters to that individual to where they want to be. What yeah. fits your life? You know, how many ball games you have to go to, or is that all in your past? Do you want to rope five days a week, or are you a four happy being a four? That's cool. Mm-hmm. Stay there. We'll help you stay right there, get more consistent, and have more fun doing it. Do you want to be a seven? That's awesome too. Let's get there. Yeah. Uh, so back to your your point is is the horse if they have a young horse and they're having some problems, get an older one to go with him. Yeah. Give your old your young horse time to mature and catch up. Uh, if you have an old horse that's still good and you're still competitive, you better be thinking about replacing him mm. because you're not going to win while you are. Because mm-hmm. once you build that relationship and that confidence with that horse, like everybody does who wins the world or, or who is having success right now, only that person and that horse can build that. Yeah, The pro guys are the worst at trying to take somebody's horse. They're trying to try to buy that because they're out of time. Yeah. You're in a crunch time, you know, it's 4th of July or I'm entered in Reno and here we go. I'm already 15,000 behind, man. I got to have a horse. So my neighbor here, he's winning all the amateur rodeos and he won the U.S. finals on this horse last year. That don't mean you're going to win a nickel. Yeah. That guy, that individual developed that confidence with that horse. Mm-hmm. So whoever buys him, it's going to take, I tell everybody, a year. We've all kidded ourselves, right? You've said at rodeos on horses, and I know I have that been sitting at Reno and think, well, this horse is ready. He's really good. But, you mm-hmm. know, the second time I sat there on him at the same rodeo, it was a lot better feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't lying to myself nearly as bad. Yeah. So it just takes time, and it's, it's enjoyable. If you enjoy doing that, Yeah. it's nothing better, uh, you know, than showing horse all the sights and, and taking the peaks and valleys with him. But if you don't have the time, definitely by the age. Yeah, no doubt. Buy one that's been there and done that. It's going to be the cheapest thing you ever do. Mm-hmm. Uh, horses are really expensive now and really hard to find. It, it's there's a lot of examples of people in, that won't or don't give twenty five, thirty, thirty five thousand for a horse. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I don't want to either. It's hard. Yeah, but you'll have five at home that you gave sixty thousand for together that you can't win a nickel on. Yeah. You know, horses are like tires. Cheap ones are expensive, and expensive ones are cheap. Yeah, yeah. Buy what fits your life. So that yeah, that goes a, a, along with it. what we do exactly there at Silver Lining is you got to do your fact finding. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out what what they need. Well, look at my sorrel horse. I'd ridden him all summer. Bought him right before the Fourth of July, and he's a big thoroughbred horse. Ridden him all summer at home. Just lights out. Yeah. And rode him hard. It's yeah. hot in Texas in the summer. He's about all I rode. I rode the bay one maybe five places, but he wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. And Sarl took most of it. He was more mature in the head, had been around more jackpots in the mornings and afternoons, amateur rodeos at night, and did that for four months. Got out of here, he felt completely apart. When yeah. I saw you there at the rope, and I'm like, hey, one of us got to have some relief. I feel like this horse <laughs> been eating gunpowder. You know, it was just, yeah. a, he was an alien, just crawling yeah. out of his hide. Uh, well, that different hay change. He'd never been out here. When you explain that how often they cut hay out here, and of course how often they have to fertilize in, and how many cuttings a year they get, mm-hmm. you know, we're lucky if we get one at home. So our hay is consistently the same. I guess you would say yep. that'd be a way to put it. Yep. And it, well, his liver and his kidneys. I mean, it was just driving him insane. Yeah. And it was no fun for him, which was driving me crazy. I could watch him in the pen tell there was something wrong. Yeah. So you just like you would in your job, you know, you find the problem, you fix it and you go forward. Well, and that's what I like about you as well is that, you know, when you notice that there's an issue, a problem that needs to be fixed and you went looking for solutions for that. Oh yeah. We fixed it. He's yeah. back. He's yeah. I seen you two weeks later and you're like, man, totally yeah, different we're horses. Yeah. We're, we're, we're good. Mine's but, better. Right. So. But that's a big part of it for me as horses. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'd stand out in the pen at night and watch that horse for hours. Yeah. No one it was bugging me to death. Yeah. Not only that I knew the next day I wasn't going to be as competitive on him as I needed to be. You know, yeah. We were already in a battle. Uh, but finding out what was bugging him, that, that interests me. And, you know, whether it's their feet, their mind, their guts, their mm-hmm. kidneys, their liver, whatever. Because yeah. at, this, at this level, that's the only difference there is, mm-hmm. is your horsepower, especially the head horse. 
Yeah. He's a quarterback. There's a lot of guys can heal him in the first third of the arena. The further you go down the arena, the further you run them down the arena, those percentage of healers that can catch is, drops off every step you take. Yeah. Not to mention, that's not picking on the healers, not to mention it's a longer time. Yeah. And this is a game where the fastest guy wins. Yeah. So it's all about your horsepower. Yeah. And, and the only person, that horse can't control that. Mm-hmm. We no longer let them run out in the range where they can go find what they want or what they need. We control that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the better ambassador we are for them, the better they're going to be for us. Absolutely. For sure. So how do people find you? And, and, you know, people are listening to this podcast and they want to, they want to come, uh, get a school or, or hang out with you for a day or two. How do, how do they get hold of you? Well, as you know, I'm the most technically illiterate person there is. I don't even text, but I guess I have a Facebook and my wife and my daughters do that. Yeah. I don't have it or even wouldn't even begin to know how to get on there. But, and then too, I'm old. So I've been doing this a long time. So <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to see a lot of people. I'm going to, I'm going to help you out here. If anybody wants to get hold of Tyler, you give me a, a, a email at uh, Josie, J-O-S-I, at silverliningherbs.com, um, and I will pass your info on to Tyler, and he'll get all of you. But I highly recommend I hang out with Tyler every day when I'm here and, and rope with him. That's what's so cool about, about you being here is you're roping all day. And so, you know, it fits my schedule really good because I can get my computer work done, and whenever I go outside, I know you're going to be roping and, and just um, – if you guys have ever heard the old adage, iron sharpens iron. And, and I like roping around guys like yourself because it makes me step up and, and be better as well. And I know that I can ask you if I'm doing something wrong and you're going to tell me you're, you're kind of a no BS guy. Like you tell me, yeah, well, you know. it's the same. I enjoy it. It's, it helps. It's fun. That's yeah. what it's supposed to be. For I sure. enjoy it in the schools, but you know, when you guys saddle up and come across here, it gets, it gets a little sharper and a little more real. Yeah, no, yeah. that's, it's fun. So, you know, Tyler, thank you for being on this show today. We, we enjoyed the chat. And, uh, like I said, anybody that's listening to this, if you guys want to get a hold of Tyler, you know, email me, um, I'm sure his Facebook, if you, if you just search Tyler Magnus, you guys can get a hold of him on there and, and he'll definitely take care of you guys. Anything from horsemanship to mindset to roping, uh, Tyler's a good one to be around. So once again, thank you for being on here and, uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Adios, everyone.